this week's podcast live from uh, sunny Las Vegas and AUVSI Unmanned Systems 2012 North America. Uh, we're calling today. I got a couple of different people on. Um, of course, I'm your your host Patrick Egan, and we have our co-host today, Gene Robinson. Hello, everyone. Boy, I sure am envious of you guys out there in the very hub of all of our. UA activity out there, so I'm really anxious to hear what what's going on out there. Well, we got lots of stuff going on. Um, we're flying by the seat of our pants again. The show's been very busy. Uh, there's a lot of people down there on the floor. The um, mood is definitely one where people are ready to do some business. I've been talking about monetizing this technology and. Uh, Boy, that's a message that really resonates with everybody. Everybody I talk to is like, I'm ready to make money now. You know, well, of course, we we've had some uh, issues standing in the way there between us and the pot of gold. And uh, we'll go into that a little bit more. Uh, the administrator, the FAA administrator spoke yesterday, and there's some stuff we'll share with that. But I want to introduce the guests. I've got Marcus Min from uh, Technology Training Corporation. Marcus, are you out there? Yes, I am. Hello. Thank you very much. Sure. And then we've got Dr. Jerry Lemieux from the Unmanned Vehicle University. Jerry, are you out there? Yes. Uh, how are you? Uh, and uh, thanks for having us on board. Hey, no problem. Um, and then we also have uh, Jay Wilmont. You're out there, right, Jay? Patrick, I am here. I'm actually on the show floor. And uh, it's uh, my 25th year here, consecutive year at this show. And it's it's great to be here. It's the best show ever. Of course, I say that every year. <laughs> well, you have some historical perspective to uh, impart upon us. Um, we did. We were supposed to have some other guests. Uh, Gretchen was supposed to be our special guest host, but I think that there's uh, something going on, and I'm, and I'm going to assume that Chad Partridge is there too. Their loss? No, I'm teasing. Uh, it's it's a kind of a, a busy thing out there. Um, I mean, I've I've probably handed out three or four hundred business cards, and you guys might be able to tell from my voice that uh, I've almost talked myself hoarse. Um, but there's a lot of interesting people out there that uh, we want to, you know, want to talk to, and there's more people I want to talk to. I'm going to be in the uh, chapter booth at 10:30, and you know, you could come on by, and uh, we can chat. Um, all right. Well, I'm gonna I want to dive right in here, uh, and it, I, and I I picked you guys the the uh, panel today because of course I always have kind of a theme when I'm doing the show, and today's theme is I wanted to get some some different perspectives, some some impressions, and that's why you guys were picked. And I'm gonna uh, start with Marcus, and I you know I know Marcus knows how to work a room. You know, I've seen him in action. He's out there. He's grinning. He's gripping. He's making contacts. Marcus, could you give me some perspective? I know you were out there yesterday working the working the crowd. What, what was it like? It was a it was a good it was a good good experience. Uh, this is my third AUVSI event. Uh, one the first one was in Denver, second in DC, and now this one in uh, Las Vegas. And I will say this much: I've out of the West shows, this is probably the best one I've been to, even though it's not fair. It's only been two out of three in the West. Um, the interesting difference between Denver and Las Vegas that I've noticed is in Denver you had less exhibitors, less traffic, but you had more of the bigger actual UAVs on display. I believe they actually had a full-size Global Hawk in there in Denver, in the convention center, and the uh, full-size Boeing, uh, drawing a blank here, but the Space 
craft that went up, the unmanned spacecraft that was out there. Um, at this one, you don't have that. At this one, you have a better, bigger testing area. So we get to see a lot of the UUVs in their tanks and the UAVs, especially the small UAVs, which were, you know, I believe is the future of being able to test in that little area, in that uh, fenced-off area. I thought that was very interesting. Uh, a lot more foreign companies this year. Uh, you and I were talking about that earlier, off the record, I mean, off the show, about how there's a lot more Asian, Chinese, the Koreans, Japanese are here. One interesting note, um, as my ethnicity is Korean, seeing Hanwha, and Hanwha Corporation in Korea is actually predominantly an armory, is an armory and explosives company getting into the UAV, U.S. industry. So that was really interesting to see to first with. Uh, I would agree with, with that. Right. That was interesting to see all these foreign companies, and they're coming on strong, and, uh, you know, they want to do business, too. Yes, they do. Uh, that was one of the key things they were talking to me about is meeting, you know, trying to see who's out there, what's going on, um, what are the availabilities. A lot of these ones, and just so you know, for those people out there, the biggest thing that they're looking for is testing. Uh, they have mm -hmm. their, they, they have built or they are, are almost completed in at least doing their prototypes and looking for testing centers. And a lot of places in Asia don't have testing centers like wind tunnels and an area to fly over see if their surveillance works or if the UAV will fly in what kind of condition. So, I mean, for those that are looking for business opportunities to have testing facilities or, or, or an area where they can test, it's a good business opportunity right there. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I agree. They're, they're definitely, uh, they want to bust in. I think they need to get their sea legs, uh, but it kind of goes in hand in hand with, um, you know, they're coming on strong. They've been, they've been eyeballing the, uh, the internet hard. I talked to one company who makes a quadcopter, and it's not bad. I'm going to say it's not a bad product. Their price point's a little high, and I asked them how they came up with their price point, and they said, well, we've been doing research uh, in Europe and America on the Internet, and we're looking at the price points, and they're trying to come in a little bit lower, but I still think that they're too high, and they're going to have a, a quality hurdle to get, to get over. What, what do you think, Marcus? I agree with you. I think you're absolutely hit it right on the dot. Um, you know, if, they, if there's that saying, if it's on the internet, it must be true. Uh, so that's what they're guessing. What must be true is the price point on that internet, so they're going to follow it. Uh, well, and I, you know that's where I get all my news right off the internet, and if I read it, it's definitely true. Um, I do think, though, you know, it does... they're going to run into. Sorry, the one thing they're going to run into trying to test over here or bring a product over here is the ITAR regulation. So, yeah, there's a lot of hoops they got to jump through. Well, and they need some help, but I do think one thing I want to talk about on, on that is I, I definitely, uh, that plays into the regulatory side of this show, and, you know, I, I'm, uh, you know, it's not, they're not going to take long to, to come up to speed, and, uh, you know, I don't want to beat the drum some more, because some people say I just beat this drum, but I think that if the regulation doesn't happen soon, we may very well be holding the, or handing the goose that laid the golden egg to the Chinese, you know, and uh, I already see it. I mean, it's not going to take them long. You know, a few years ago, I was like, hey, the $1,000 Chinese UAV, and there's companies here, and they've got some refined products, and they want more than that. But uh, when they when they finally get it together, and they're coming in at price points of 6500 bucks for something that's pretty damn robust, uh, they're going to be whipping the pants off us. It's going to be hard to compete with that. But... Uh, okay, well, I want to do, uh, I know, you know, Jerry Lemieux, the Unmanned Vehicle University, uh, he's out there on the floor. He's got a booth there. I chose him because I wanted to uh, get some perspective 
from somebody on the other side of the aisle. And I know, Jerry, you're on fire over there. You know, we did that, that back-to-school podcast with Jerry, and Jerry's got the, the Unmanned Vehicle University has over 17,000 downloads. So Jerry's doing something right. I don't know what it is, Jerry. Maybe you're uh, sending people a dollar in the mail after they listen. You can enlighten us. Go ahead, buddy. What's it like on the on the other side of the aisle? Well, you know, it's not just me. Uh, we tried to hire the best guys on the planet. Uh, most of the professors and faculty at the school have uh, PhDs in engineering and over 25 years of experience in unmanned systems in the air, ground, and uh, sea systems. But, yeah, we're on the floor here, and I'm pretty much focused on staying at the booth. I haven't really had any time to get around and, and uh, meet people. Some of the guys that uh, we, we actually have, uh, a, we have students and we have directors and we have faculty. It's like we have a whole selection of the guys in the university here helping out. So I wouldn't, I don't know what I would do without those guys, because one of the one of the neatest things about this uh, this is our first trade show, uh, so it's kind of a launch, and uh, we have at least four or five people constantly coming in and uh, very strong interest in the curriculum. But uh, I'm getting torn away with, it with about ten different interviews. Uh, which I'm really happy about, and I guess I would say that that's probably uh, our uh, our primary uh, uh, benefit from uh, coming to this conference is to be able to get some exposure and uh, get the word out about what we're doing. Uh, we 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 had an interview with uh, Washington Times on uh, on Sunday, and then today we're gonna we're gonna hit uh, Aviation Week. So we offer uh, masters and doctorate degrees in unmanned systems engineering. And we're uh, accredited university, and then we also have certificate courses, uh, which uh, a couple are very popular: the unmanned uh, UAV fundamentals course, and then we also have a small UAV fundamentals taught course taught by Gene Payson, the president of Troy Belt Models, and he has about 40 years of experience with the small UAVs. So uh, that's going to be a good course, and we're getting some strong interest in that. People are signing up. We had uh, one doctorate student sign up yesterday and uh you know we're glad to be here and uh you know thanks for having me on the show well sure i was you know i was trying to get some perspective uh you know i came by your booth yesterday and there were two and i you know they were they were older ladies it's kind of funny who's here uh you know there's a lot of people who are not in this business and these two ladies came in and they were from like oh i don't know silver city or silver springs new mexico and they're like well we didn't know but our city's right on the other side of a test range and we want in on this business and they and they were at your booth and I was telling them, you know, your your three-day course is probably a good start for them to learn uh, the basics about the technology, the nomenclature, the, uh, you know, <clears throat> the acronyms and whatever else. And so it, it is kind of interesting who's here and who's buzzing around the booth. And I'm glad that things are going good for you. Um, you know, I wish you the best of luck. Hopefully I'll see you today out on the floor. It's going to be another madhouse out there for me. But I'm glad to hear that. And then I think, did we get Chad Partridge? Did we Did we pick Chad up? Yes, you did get you did get me. <laughs> CP. Okay, well that's good. You're a little late, but you know better late than never. Um, yeah, I hear you were out on the floor yesterday. I didn't see you personally, but I, I tell you, I talked to so many people. I was I was like I was so blown out at the end of the day. It wasn't funny. <laughs> But the reason I wanted to get you on is, uh, you know, Chad has uh, won re-election to the board, and Chad's Thank also you. 
Yeah, we're we're glad to hear that. Chad is also a uh, a member of the uh, Silicon Valley chapter and a longtime friend. And I was hoping, Chad, that you could kind of give us a little bit of perspective. Um, you know, let's say some some perspective from the members uh, out there on the floor. Yes, I uh, that, uh, glad to. Um, you know, the one the one thing that was already brought up on this uh, podcast was the fact that there is much more foreign, like, uh, you know, international participation on the floor, uh, you know, instead of, it, it is it is not U.S.-based out here entirely. And, uh, you know, along with that, you're also seeing a lot more talk than I have ever heard of in the past on commercial applications and other, uh, you know, some new channels and opportunities for unmanned systems. Uh, and with that, people are talking a lot about the privacy issues. People are talking about a lot about the regulation issues again. That everything is, uh, everything has become that much more amplified this year. And I'm going to expect to see a lot more of that in the next few days. And with with the protesters out front, uh, you're seeing uh. <laughs> you're definitely seeing a whole lot more interest. There is a crosshair on this organization overall, and uh, and it's you know uh, I I subscribe to uh, any press is good press in this uh, in, in this instance. And I just think that things are heating up for AUVSI, and uh, it's a good time to be a part of it. I, I would concur with all of that. It is kind of funny. Uh, ben Gilo was telling me he had to get rid of some protesters. I'm like, you should have called me. I come out. Maybe maybe Jay could get in there and we could talk to him. Uh, you know, hey, buddy, it's not that bad. Jay's got away with people. Uh, Jay, and then I'm, I wanted to get your historical perspective on um, you've been here a couple of years. Your relative newcomer. <laughs> I wanted to yeah. get some historical perspective from uh, if we could get your quarter century, sir. Well, I'll tell you, there's, there's been a lot of changes. I mean, I have to agree pretty much with everybody's assessment so far. It occurred to me this morning that my first show there was a a, a Lockheed and a Martin and a Northrop and a Grumman, and now they're all <laughs> together. <laughs> We didn't have protesters. Uh, there wasn't very much harm, and the, the focus was almost exclusively on defense applications. And there were a lot of cruise missiles here. So we've come come a, a long way. Uh, the show is easily ten times what it was in, in my early days, and I was, I don't know, I thought I was a latecomer to the party at that time. But it certainly has been an interesting evolution. And, you know, as far as the, the participation, the the level of foreign participation, that's a relatively new thing, I guess, from the, the different communities that we're seeing here. We've always had international exhibitors, but today there there are there's another trend, and that is that we've come from the big primes exclusively to having the subsystems, the data links, the payloads, and so forth. And then the, the lower-level manufacturing side of it, we're starting to see almost to the level of having raw material manufacturers here. And, and another thing that's interesting is that the, the number of the uh, 3D printing applications, the, the products that, you know, direct to print to part uh, are here in a, in a large number. And I think that is 
particularly relevant for the growth that we're going to see in the small UAS, where those parts are most applicable. So I, I see a maturation of the industry, a, a whole lot of interest, and and the, the buzz. You know, we've come from having to explain to people, you know, in my early days, it was an RPV. We had to explain to people, what is an RPV? What is a UAV? And now we have to defend them. So it's it's a we've made great strides in that direction. And I think the the buzz here is that we need to be more proactive. All of us need to have a, a greater voice in expressing the benefits of this technology once we do finally get access to the NAS. I would concur with that. Now you know I want to I want to go back to the 3D printing. Now, I was just as impressed as you. Now, I went over there. You know, I've seen some of these 3D printers in the past, and I was like, eh, you know, all right, whatever. But uh, the ones that are out on the floor now uh, are pretty impressive. I mean, the, the parts that these people are churning out and, I mean, meshed, meshed gears and whatever else, uh, very, very impressive. And for the, the cost, I think they were saying that the printer was like under $200,000. And I'm just throwing it out there for memory. But the stuff that you can print out in 3D, whoa, the stuff that you can print out in 3D is uh, is pretty amazing. Gene, do you have any questions for, for the panel? Well, no, actually, uh, I, I think it's uh, one of the, I think one of the more interesting things that people are going to want to hear about is the lectures that you guys have gone to. I know that there have been some some pretty powerful speakers out there, and uh, I'm very curious to see what uh, what some of those speakers have had to say about the industry and where it's going and, and what their predictions are. Well, I'll field that one first. I went yesterday to uh, Acting Administrator uh, Huerta was here, and he spoke. And he had a lot of good things to say uh, about the industry and GA in general. And he talked about GA and, uh, you know, how GA brings in over a trillion dollars to the economy and all the rest of that. And I hope that, you know, he he looks at that and says, hmm, you know, well, how much is uh, unmanned aircraft going to bring into the uh, American economy? Because, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm sure the old timers here are going to say, well, we remember when this technology was looked upon as kind of a fad especially Jay, I'm sure he could comment on that, but it's here to stay. And this is the future of aviation. And uh, my thing with it is, is I had asked the administrator, uh, other people had asked, do you think you're going to, what's relevant, is, are, do you think that we're going to hit that those congressional mandates? And I will say that he definitely danced around those numbers. Um, I asked about the ARC again, because I'm a one-trick pony. And... Uh, you know, I talked about small business and representation, and in the future, moving forward, are we going to have small business and public participation in a public process? You know, some people say, well, you're beating that drum, and, you know, that's a tired old question. But you know what? These are the these – are, this is lawmaking, and, you know – to me, when you're making laws that I'm going to have to live with, not only as a member of the community, but as a member of the public, um, I would like to be a part of that. I think that the FAA uh, tripped up and not putting someone on from like a public, maybe not ACLU, but someone else that had some kind of uh, public advocacy thing on that arc, small business and a university that had an academic program. Uh, but that's you know, again, uh, they don't they don't really reach out to the community and say, hey, what what do you guys really think? They reach out to the same, you know, usual suspects. 
um, and some of those companies that Jay had mentioned, and they say, well, what do, you know, what do we do? And, of course, they're going to say, well, we do this. That way we can protect our business plan. And you can't totally fault them because it's business. You know, you get a business plan. You're investing time and money. You want to return on that. But, hey, you know, there's the rest of us out here, and we deserve uh, a little bit of, um, I, I think, a little bit of respect, especially for all the effort and time we've put in. Um I want to uh, I want to go through this too, and I think the conversation is pretty good. But I I, I do want to give everyone else uh, anybody else catch any of the the, um, the the presentations yesterday that they want to talk about? No, <laughs> I know a lot of you guys were probably walking the floor. The other thing I will say is the lady, and I forget her name, came on and spoke from uh, IKO, and the feedback on that her timeline. She was talking about something out to um, for full integration into the the airspace globally, something like uh, 2027, and people were asking me about that and what I thought. And uh, you know, I don't want to be Debbie Downer, but if uh, if they rely on a viable uh, sense and avoid system, I think if they were to find one tomorrow, put it out there and say, okay, we got this says it's a void system and we have to certify it's going to take a couple of years. Anybody want to speak to that? <laughs> you guys are all quiet here. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. It is going to take, you know, something viable. They've proven a couple, and uh, there are a couple waiting in the wings that the military have, have used. Miniaturization obviously is going to be an issue. So it, it probably is going to be a couple of years down the road before we get a certifiable or an FAA-approved sense and avoid for small UA. So I agree with you on that count. Now, to change the subject completely, I know, you know, Jerry, Dr. Jerry, you've been uh, kind of confined to your booth, but I know you other guys have been out there walking around. I'd like to know what was the one thing that you've seen out there that knocked your socks off, something that you just completely didn't expect, and there it was, and you just kind of said, wow. Good question. Arcus. Yeah, I'm thinking. Uh, <laughs> I know it's early. Here. Oh, it's a I, different. I mean, um, sorry. Go ahead. No, Chad, please. I, I can speak to that, Jerry Lemieux. Uh, if you if you hand the mic over to me, go for it. Uh, I've been at the show. My I've been at the show uh, myself personally, or actually with another company about four years ago. That was my first show, and I actually did get asked by John Walker to join the RTCA committee. And I do some work on the sense and avoid systems on the panel there, working group three. But uh, you asked about what what was the most impressive thing to me, and i got to say, with, with this being the first trade show and having ten interviews with major um, organizations and uh, magazines, there was even a film made from a filmmaker came by the booth uh, yesterday. Uh, that, to me, was uh, pretty incredible for uh, for us. Well, that's, I would say, yeah, there's a lot of press here. There's cameras everywhere. There's film crews, um, you know, all kinds of stuff. Chad, what, what, have, what have you seen? Yeah, what, what, uh, there was nothing in particular that I saw, but there was something that I heard that I, that I thought was fascinating. And that is, and, uh, and it's now surrounding the driverless car initiative. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say that is the one, uh, you know, 
hidden gem that uh, that is starting to that is starting to emerge. I was told yesterday that there's now nine there's now nine states with proposed legislation for driverless cars, mm-hmm. and that is staggering when you consider the fact that Nevada just adopted it. So you're seeing a movement. It's becoming very real. Uh, under the Google X project, supposedly there's talk of, ha- of, of a driverless car having a $70,000 price point. Um, uh, th- these are initiatives that are happening now. And it's, and it's my belief that we might actually see driverless cars start, start to hit the roads before we start seeing unmanned uh, air vehicles. Mm-hmm. And when, when that is going to be a major driver, I think in a lot of ways the success and the regulatory success that we're going to see with driverless cars, I do think it's going to have a big impact also on, uh, on UAS integration. And, you know, that was, that was a new perspective, uh, and I don't know if others caught, caught that also. Um, I'd, like but, to, I'd like to add to that, if I could. Go ahead. Uh, so uh, what I have read is that a major car manufacturer has already pledged to manufacture uh, the first commercially available driverless car in 2018. They've committed themselves to a date. And the other thing that I read was in Europe that they actually passed a law for driverless brakes. In other words, you have a sensor like LiDAR or radar that senses you're getting too close to another car, and then the brakes get applied automatically. Hmm. So that's, that's, a driverless techno- that's a driverless car technology that's being mandated in Europe. Well, that's really interesting. Uh, Jay, what have you seen? Give us some historical, some more historical I, you know, have been floored at the number of unmanned surface and underwater vehicles. I haven't seen the, the, the number previously that we see here. Another thing that I saw is, and this, this speaks to a little bit to Chad's comment about driverless cars. I've seen a couple of booths that have uh, unmanned aerial cars, if you will, the, the uh, air car concept. On man, I know AAI was one of them, so I was kind of surprised to see that in the past. Those kinds of things were sort of relegated to the future, you know, never going to happen sort of aviation aspects. But it, it, I, uh, I think that there is a lot of new technology, so much as the, the usual miniaturization that we're seeing. I've seen some very nice small sensor packages for small UAS, for instance which is a, a normal progression that we see. All that stuff, I, I agree with all of that. I think for me, the thing that out, stands out the most are the uh, direction posters or the guidance posters that are out in the hall uh, with Elvis pointing the way to uh, the exhibit hall or the conference halls. And the the Elvis impersonator is none other than uh, AUVSI President Michael Toscano. Have you guys seen those? Yeah, I got yeah. I did. It's actually pretty funny. At first, I was like, wait a minute, the guy looks kind of familiar, this Elvis impersonator, and it turns out it's Toscano. I thought that was kind of uh, funny, and I also think it's kind of cool on his part that he could uh, kind of let his, let his hair down and do that. Um, you know, as far as people that are out here, you know, uh, that I've seen from the show, there's a lot of um, – there's some politicians – 
you know, of course, uh, some military people. I was impressed on on who was uh, coming out here. Um, the other thing I would also uh, like to talk about, I didn't let Marcus talk about what he thought was uh, one of the best things out there. Marcus, maybe you could speak to that real quick. I didn't want to step on you, buddy. Oh, no, no. Or one of the best things out there. I think there's a lot of, just don't technically going into it. It's, it's, you know, when the UAVs or the U.S. is just when I got in the industry, everything was about the big ones, like the Global Hawk, the Predator, the Reaper. Um, the smallest thing I ever heard was the Raven. And walking the show yesterday, you have all these smaller ones. I mean, there was one that could fit in the palm of my hand. There's a lot more commercial-based UAS and UAVs, and I think that goes along with the hope that the FAA approves uh, UAVs in the commercial airspace uh, for those that want to use it for either agriculture or, or agriculture or industrial engineering pipelines, things like that. Uh, going back to what Chad said about the uh, unmanned car, the driver, scares me. It's bad enough. There's people that are driving that don't know how to drive, and there's going to cars that are automated and you know you're going to have that one guy that's going to sit behind the wheel and push the button and goes I think I want to drive myself again and see what happens <laughs> kind of right uh, that you know you know there's going to be that one guy that just, just ruins it for everybody right there's always that one guy well that's kind of the concern I think with everything you know is even even the privacy thing you talk to people and I've talked to some of the uh, you know some of the guys are here that uh, the law enforcement guys and I and I went and sat that through that panel, uh, one of our guests, Leonard Lagan, uh, had a panel, and it was some of the uh, usual, let's say, law enforcement suspects were up there. And, I mean, everybody, you know, we're all humans, and, and all of this technology, any technology, you're going to have somebody that's going to either flub it or abuse it or whatever else. But I think on the whole, and, you know, I have this speech, and uh, it was kind of funny. Doug Davis was kind of making fun of me, but, you know, I'm ready to – I'm ready to see this technology help us and, you know, the, the, the more commercial uses or, uh, you know, civilian uses of, like, say, you know, agriculture and feeding a hungry world and all the rest of that. He, he was kind of making fun of me. But I, I do. I see this technology helping in so many fields. Um, well, one guy I did talk to, he said his, his goal was on the smaller companies. Was his goal was to sell it to uh, news companies for air companies, for uh, you know, local traffic, you know, instead of having the eye in the sky guy flying around, you know, paying the guy to fly the helicopter and his reporter, now you can save money and have this UAV, you know, hover around all the freeways. Right, yeah, kind of like a mobile, uh, you know, traffic uh, watching platform. I, you know, and the smaller stuff, that was another thing. I saw another guy from the FAA that was, uh, he was also on the ARC, and I'm not going to mention his name because I don't want to get anyone in trouble. But uh, he's over here. He's actually here on a, you know, and he's like, oh, I couldn't miss the show. You know, I, I came out here. I brought my wife out here. And then he's, he saw there's a guy selling a little uh, quadcopter. And I think it's like 110 bucks or 20 bucks or something. And it's a little uh, thing that comes with a radio. The guy says it'll fly to 5,000 feet. And he's asking me, you think this is a good deal? Should I get one of these? I go, yeah, you know, you can fly it indoors. You can fly it around in the yard, yada, yada. And, uh, you know, he did say he was like, you were right. This stuff is really interesting. This technology is exciting. And, you know, I want to kind of be a part of this industry. Right now I'm with the FAA, but I, I can definitely see where this is a future of aviation. And so I think some of those guys are coming around. I know some of the guys that used to work at the FAA 
uh, have come around and are more like, you know, maybe you maybe you were right. Maybe maybe you did have some concepts that made sense. And that is uh and that's good to hear. Um I definitely I'm hoping to uh meet up with Jim Williams, who's the new head of the unmanned aircraft system integration office. I'd like to talk to him. I'd definitely like to help the FAA move the ball forward uh with with the proposed regulations and everything else. Uh, and I'm interested in hearing about progress. I'm definitely interested in hearing about that, and I am interested in helping uh, the new leadership try and, and accomplish that. Uh, and I'm, I'm really ready to see some action. Does anybody uh, want to add on to that? Patrick, it's Jay. I think it's a time that we've got to get more proactive and be, be engaging of, of our leadership and even of the protesters. I would say to the protesters that all we are asking is give drones a chance. I like <laughs> you know, you, Maybe you can think about doing an act of game. I would have to certainly agree with that because uh, we've been trying to push the positive aspects of, of unmanned aircraft use for the last eight years in the search and rescue industry. And it is so difficult to get the press to even comment on that sort of thing when you go out and you do do uh, something very, very positive, very helpful to the community and place no one's privacy. Well, I mean, the privacy thing, you know, again, I think that's an education thing. You know, if people knew, I mean, and I've talked about this before, but the sensors that are flown currently for state, local, and federal law enforcement. You know, these uh, again, these EOIR sensors uh, whip the pants off of anything that we're really talking about in the small range. Uh, we just, there's no way we could carry those. And I think people need to get educated. I, you know, there's a lot at play there. And we definitely can't be a secretive industry. Uh, you know, we have to sit down with these people and talk to them and say, hey, you know, here's, here's really what's happening. And I don't, you know, again, if we go out there and we talk about a lot of these uses, like especially uh, anything that has to do with, you know, uh, search and rescue or agriculture or people don't have any problems with it. They're just afraid of that 1984 thing where you're going to have a UAV outside your window watching you shave. And so, you know, that's not really what we want to do anyway, you know. Um, I don't know. We got to get out there and talk to these people and assuage some of the fears. And I think it'll be easy to do. We just got to get out there and do it. Now, the other thing I've been doing is I've been noticing that there's actually a lot of companies that are in my chapter area. And uh, I've been going to them and I've been asking them, how come I don't see you at the meetings? And a lot of them are like, well, you know, I don't know. Why should I come? Why should I tell him? Why should I do this? Why should I do that? And I'm going to have to bang on the drum again that, hey, you know what? This is a proactive effort. You know, I, I get out there and I give that speech where I want to monetize this technology. And I get, you know, the everybody, oh, we want to do that too. I want to make money, yada, yada, yada. And then after I give that speech, they come over and they're like, well, what can you do for me? How can AUBSI get me some business, you know? And I'm like, well, you know, it, it's kind of predicated on that you get involved and you do some stuff and you talk about how you can help move the ball forward. So I just want to put that out there again. Um, you know, don't be apathetic. 
uh, everybody can get involved. I don't know, you know, write a letter to your congressperson and say, hey, you know what? I want to hire some people. I want to I want to build a business in this district, and uh, I can't do it because you know to do something. What are we going to do? Active. And and I you know I'd like uh, if Chad maybe get you to that too. What are the advantages of me joining the AUVSF? Are you still there, Chad? Uh, the uh, there is a ton of background noise. There is a lot of background noise. So whoever's like where it's crowded, maybe they could go on mute until they uh, are going to speak. I think did you ask me a question, Patrick? I did. I was I was kind of asking, and you know, a lot of people are saying, why should I join or why should I come to the meetings? And, uh, you know, like I was saying, it's, it's got to be more of a proactive approach for this industry. I think that you need, everybody needs to get involved in their own future. Uh, and there's more to it than that. And I would like you to speak to maybe, you know, what would uh, people get out of, of being members of AEVSI besides the magazine and getting a chat with a guy like me? So I'm going to, um, before I answer that uh, specifically, I want to talk to even one point before. Um, that something that may not be well known about AUVSI. AUVSI made a substantial budget change within the last, within the last six months to contribute a huge, uh, to make a huge splash in PR um, that, you know, right now, we're being, uh, as as we've talked about, uh, we're in the crosshairs of lots of uh, of lots of areas of interest, and AUVSI as a whole is now extremely committed to leading from the front and getting proactively out there and getting the pro message across everywhere. And I and uh, I met with AUVSI's new PR group last night, uh, I was substantially impressed, um, and I think that we're going to make a difference. But, you know, beyond that, you know, that's not going to happen without a full commitment from the organization. Uh, you know, every, everyone everywhere, you know, right now needs to galvanize because there is a lot of, uh, there, there are a lot of protagonists out there that are against this organization, that in one fell swoop, you know, there was, uh, there was talk that the reauthorization bill was in danger. And without a few key people, uh, not even necessarily AUVSI staff, getting up on the Hill and talking to the right congressman, uh, we could have already seen legislation put out against this organization that could drastically hamper things and set us back for years. So mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's so important right now that if you're if if you've got a business that uh, you need to protect your businesses and you need to you know protect the opportunity that is on man systems and so I think it's more important than ever for everybody to be involved with the organization as a centerpiece. I, I concur with all of that, and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw that over to Jay, because Jay, you know, you've been here a while. Uh, maybe you'd like to pick up the baton and, and uh, go with it. Yeah, I, I think I'm applaud where AVSI has come, and in transforming and, and getting out there and in, in, in advocacy and leading the way on the hill, and now picking up the reins on some 
some counter media work because what what we see again and again it's it's not just in our unmanned systems technologies it's a small vocal minority who who create uh, the, the flap about privacy and you know other frankly non-issues and mm-hmm. while while the the masses sit quietly in apathy and get steamrolled by you know minority interests and I think that. We we do need to agitate among ourselves and cultivate the the kind of input to the media and and to, uh, you know governmental leaders to let them know that we have a voice too and we have a different perspective and we're not all about spy planes and killer drones that there's another aspect to this and you know I think our job would be made easier if we had you know currently access to the NAS. And we could point to some, you know, applications, you know, other than speculative. Well, in the future, and we hear this again and again, in the future, they're talking about using these drones for agriculture. But for now, it's all about, you know, spy planes and privacy. So we, somehow the message has got to get out there uh, more, you know, not not louder, but just more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, you, again, you're preaching to the choir, which isn't too surprising. Um, I do, I do believe that uh, you know, I, I kind of think that the the door should have been cracked open for uh, more of the the ag, private, public uh, asset management. And soon as people see them out there, and that hey, you know, uh, this is doing this, and it's saving people money, and it's helping the environment, and all the rest of this stuff, and it's clean, and it's green, and it's helpful. I think people are going to cozy right up. Up to it, I, I definitely think that uh, they're just easy buttons that we're being uh, hit with now, you know. Um, and that's not really something; it's kind of unfortunate. But again, I think both of you hit that point. Don't be apathetic. If you want to be in this business, and I've beat this drum for years, you got to get involved. You got to make a future for yourself. The other thing I will add to that, as I was talking to Ben Gilo about this, and you know, uh, we were kind of joking around about it, but I know that him. And Mario and uh, Gretchen are out there, and they've been working the hill hard, um, you know. And, and when you when you say this, and I used to say this too with our Kappa, and people didn't want to pay the forty five dollars a year. That's outrageous! What are you doing with my money? Uh, Eighty five dollars is not really a lot of money uh, in today's world. And for an organization that needs to lobby and do PR and have all of the other, let's say, broadcast vehicles uh, that they need to really put uh, a true face on this this organization and this technology, that's not a lot of money. Um, And there are a lot of interests here. That's another thing I do hear from people, and and, uh, maybe you guys could add to that. I do hear from the small guys, well, they're not doing enough for us. And even the big vendors, well, wait a minute, you're not doing enough for us, you know, and we don't agree with this and we don't agree with that. And it seems like all of the the, the different groups and the, the, it's very compartmentalized and uh, let's say like even the law enforcement guys, you know, me and Gene have tried to reach out and talk to them and it seems like they're in a little cluster over there and they just can't break out. And I definitely think that we need to, as a community, you know, sing Kumbaya by the campfire and all come together. Anybody want to comment on that? Well, I can certainly concur to it because uh, out here working with law enforcement and fire and first responders, they ask me the same question. They say, you know, hey, let's go. We're ready to go. Which way do we go? And uh, that education process, 
you know, as Dr. Gary has started, needs to be needs to take place. We need to get the word out, and we can really form how those agencies use their unmanned aircraft and set the standards. Yeah, I'd like to add on to that, Gene. Uh, um, we uh, actually had a guy from Hungary call in, and he has two PhDs in aerial firefighting, and he's been using UAVs, his experience, six years of experience with UAVs and firefighting. So we developed a certificate course around that. He teaches online. It's an eight-week course, and we've been trying to contact the chiefs of police in, in a lot of places. We're not getting a lot of traction yet, but... It would be good, you know, just to get it before you go out and buy one of these vehicles or listen to the talk from uh, some of the vendors to just get an education on what they really are and what the technologies are available and uh, the sensors and, you know, just to, to get grounded in that before I make a big purchase. Well, hey, we're down to like five seconds. I want to thank everyone for being on. Um, you know, it was an informative talk. I think it was very insightful for uh, for the listeners. Again, uh, we'll see you guys later. Have a good week. Good luck, guys. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot.